You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Yeah! What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023, and I'm your old pal, Joey O.B., and I'm Troy, ready to hit the friendly skies, La Valley. <laughs> ready to hit the friendly skies. I heard a dirty rumor in the offices, the new studio of the Glass Cannon Network yesterday. And that rumor is that Troy La Valley is flying economy to oh. St. Paul. I, I, It's coach, first of all. I would never fly basic economy. <laughs> I would just walk to the destination uh, but it was uh, it was a tricky it was a tricky air, airplane situation I wanted to get into St. Paul uh, with the with the day to enjoy myself uh, by enjoy myself I mean stress out over the St. Paul show uh, and there was only one fucking flight and uh, it's a long story but I was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna ride ride the snake here and see if I get the uh, the gold medallion upgrade. So I'm still feeling pretty confident. I don't have to slum it with the poor. <laughs> slum it with the rest of us poors. Uh, for the record, we all fly coach to every show, but Troy always seems to get an upgrade. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Points, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to refer uh, my Amex card to you because if you sign up, we both get miles. And then if you get this card, dude, it's going to change your life, man. Just no, put everything on it. <laughs> I know, I know. I have to, but I like... Ah, we've gone through this. It's a long story. <laughs> I know. Well, you're tight because you're flying out of the worst airport in America and you're like, you can never fly the same type of flight. Like when you go visit your in-laws at Southwest, but when you're doing this, you, you'd love to take Delta, but you know, can't always. So you just got to, you got to, you got to kind of start over, man. You got to start It really over. feels like, it really feels like Newark Airport runs about four to five total Delta flights out of it in a, in a day, which is just <laughs> staggering. Uh, As Jeff Ross, comedian Jeff Ross used to say, uh, Newark Airport is the Newark of airports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a good one. But I'll tell you what. It, what it lacks in awesomeness, it makes up for in convenience. Oh, it's yeah. just right there, which is so nice. How long is your, like, door-to-door? 16 minutes. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's insane. So what are you, like an hour and 50 minutes to get to JFK? Like- well, you know what's funny, dude? When I lived in Astoria, if I was flying out of LaGuardia, when I had like clear pre-check and, uh, you know, sky medallion, whatever, I could be door to gate in 12 fucking minutes. It was insane. <laughs> like no exaggeration, yeah, door no, to gate. It was a five minute drive from our old apartments to LaGuardia. All right, so let's give you an idea. So LaGuardia, it's it was that that close to Astoria. JFK in an in a in a lift was an hour. And if I wanted to take the train, it would be like two hours because you gotta go all the way to one part of Queens and yeah. all the way out, switch the air train. Now where I live, it's an hour to LaGuardia and an hour to JFK. And it makes no sense to me. <laughs> really? I've looked at a map and I'm like, yeah, it's a triangle. I see it, but I'm like, how does this work? And I say an hour, it ends up being like an hour and a half uh 
depending on when I leave. Uh, yeah, an hour and a half. Bad. I mean, that's a long commute to an airport, especially on the way home. Like when you've landed and then you have another hour and a half. Oh, it's always the worst. Yeah, brutal. especially when we come across country, like back from LA a couple of weeks ago, and then we landed, I think, and I just was driving home in rush hour. And I'm like, I, I, this is the worst. I just want to see my family. And I just <laughs> sit in a car. You have to fly uh, another connection <laughs> right. you know, back, back to your house, basically. Well, you make up for that by always flying first class. You son of a bitch. bitch. It's just not true. I just, <laughs> just got to game the system, man. Systems are there to be gamed, and you of all people should know that. Absolutely. Speaking <laughs> of which, we are going to get into it today, including some exciting game design talk. I nerded out last week. I'm about to nerd out again this week on the wounded condition. Wounded. Get ready for it. I'm excited to talk wounded in We Are Stupid. But before that, we've got a lot of news. We're headed, As we're talking about, we're getting on flights. We're headed out to St. Paul. We've got an exciting fan event we want to talk about there. We've got a huge studio update. We were at the mm. studio yesterday mm. with the whole team. Uh, and we've got even more Gen Con updates. We told you the shows were about to uh, go up for sale while well, they went up for sale. We've got news on that and, and updates there. So lots to head in, lots to get into. Let's kick it off with this weekend. Uh, we fly out uh, today. We fly out today to St. Paul and uh, show is tomorrow night. Cannot wait to get back to the St. Paul crowd. Love that crowd. Yeah. Some, some awesome of our like, uh, most hardcore community members, our mods, the people that help us the most are all going to be there. It's just such a warm and welcoming environment. I cannot wait to be there and see some of my uh, favorites from the niche. Uh, and there's going to be venue too. Great yeah, venue. great venue. It's Amsterdam Beer Hall, right? Or Amsterdam, Amsterdam Hall. Hall and Bar. Hall and Bar. <laughs> Uh, so, so excited to be back there. It just, um, that place reminds me of some of my favorite places I would go to in like my early 20s to see like cover bands, to see like <laughs> yeah. a, a good 90s cover band where it's just, it's still just a bar, but it's big enough that like you can put a live event or live show up there and it's a blast, but it's yeah. not a venue per se. It's still just a bar. You know, it feels it's like great the vibe. nicest bar in Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. So now, it's like uh, Brooklyn Bowl without assholes or bowling. Like it, yeah, it, and that was Sydney's first weekend with us last year because we did Milwaukee and then we drove to St. Right. Paul. And I remember some somebody from the Nash hooked us up with some nice beers, and then we had Michael uh, send them to us in the office. Like we had all those beers that we couldn't drink because people will bring us like you know, 20, uh, 10 percenters. And we're like, well, we can't drink all of these before the show or any of them. Uh, but we don't want to waste them. It was always great. Like when someone would give us beer at the beginning of Paizo Con weekend, because we like, we can drink this all weekend yeah. long. Yeah. That would be the um, best. Like if, if it would be great if we were doing like a two show weekend in the same city, but that's, or, or if we're driving from one to the other, but when we got to get right back on a flight, it's like, uh, it's, it's a little bit tougher to, to carry all those 20 uh 10 percenters if you if you're coming if you're if you're still on the fence about coming out or if you're like ah, i don't know if i can party hard on a thursday night there's only 30 tickets left uh at the time of this recording uh last year we sold it out that's all i'm saying uh 30 tickets i feel like we can do that i feel like there are 30 more people out there maybe you're already coming and you've got a couple friends who have no idea who we are but you know because you're a member of the nation if you they just come and see us they're gonna fall in love it's gonna be such a good time Get those get those last thirty sold, and then maybe we'll come back next year. Plus, we have a fantastic community event coming up. This is spearheaded by our community manager McD, who many of you have come to know and love. Uh, he has uh, headed this up with Michael, our uh, production coordinator, who will be there in person because Michael is a Minneapolis based uh, member of the Nation. 
We're hosting a niche meetup at Level Up Games in St. Paul on Friday, the 26th at 1030 in the morning uh, Central Time. We're going to be hanging – well, I say we. We're going to be flying to uh, Asheville. But um, the Minneapolis-St. Paul community is going to be hanging out, playing games for just a few hours. Uh, you can find out more by visiting our new travel log forums on the official Discord where you can make plans to meet up with fellow members of the nation around our live shows or even find travel partners or somebody to split a hotel room with when you're coming to a Glass Cannon live show. So we've set up this new uh, spot on – our official Discord uh, called the it's called the Travel Log, right? Uh, whatever it is. Yeah, I was um, talking to McD for a while, and McD was chatting with the mods about what to do. So I, I launched these channels last week. We did channels first, and then uh, K Rob and Jen were like, "I should try the." forums it's kind of like as i alluded i was like it's like reddit but it's not a dumpster fire um and so each city that we visit will have uh its own forum and then if you click on that city you'll see a bunch of different topics that are all tagged like meetups uh good places to eat good places to get beer uh you know, random stuff and uh, maybe free uh, free tickets, people giving away tickets or selling tickets, selling VIP tickets. So as we announce the rest of the cities for the tour, because we've got shows coming up in September, October, uh, December, uh, the, we'll, we'll make new channels for those as well. And it's just a great way to kind of foster community because after we finish St. Paul in Asheville – these channels will, I'll, I'll leave them up so that people can like get to, maybe you met somebody at the show or you're like, ah, who is that handsome fellow three rows ahead? You could be like, misconnection. Uh, maybe <laughs> we could hang out and play sex sometime. Please don't do that on our Discord, but, uh, maybe you'll find a friend, uh, if nothing else to, to game with. I mean, I love the idea of finding a travel partner or splitting hotel rooms. Like that to me yes. is just like the way to go. I mean, save money and hang out with somebody else who's, you know, a like-minded member of the niche. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a great, great place to kind of do those meetups. So use the discord for that. Let's move it to the studio. Um, wait, Gabriel. what about Asher? We didn't talk about Asher. We kind of just, we talked a lot of St. What Paul and discord. Asheville. There's a show there. Tickets are on sale. We are said this excited? every week for 19 weeks. Yeah. We know I, we're not going to sell know what? that out. Honestly, I'm kind of upset because. Why are you upset? I'm upset because I just look at the schedule and I see that I won't have one minute to see Nashville or Asheville rather. And I'm so bummed because like I've looked forward to going to Asheville for a decade or more. Like I had friends that like either grew up around there or went there to visit or whatever. And we're like, Asheville's amazing. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, we're not going to arrive in Asheville until the evening. And it's then the not, next day is show day. And we have to be true. in the venue by 7 a.m. It's going to be miserable. It's just not true. We're all – so basically, as I laid it out to the team about a month and a half ago, I'm like, here are our options. Uh, you can fly direct from St. Paul to Asheville, and it will cost us around $1,200 a ticket. So please don't choose that option. Uh, also, that option is not available. We can fly uh, – if you want to fly American to Asheville, I think there's a flight that leaves later that night, uh, but you're going to miss the whole day. Or you can take an afternoon flight to Charlotte and drive at your leisure to Asheville, or you can get up at – Five in the morning after the St. Paul show, we can take a 7 a.m. flight to Charlotte, and then I've rented us a, a Dodge minivan. We're going to be driving from Charlotte to Asheville. We'll get there in the afternoon, man. We're going to have the whole day to beer it up in Beer City. I'm excited. <laughs> it's going to be great. Well, and, I don't yeah. I don't want to I don't want to poo-poo uh, your excitement, but I just just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think we're going to get there much later than you think. Uh, in fact, I actually, I actually have to look into this. You I'm think it's going to be like the Nashville to Atlanta drive from hell? 
I, I, I really no that that it, nothing could be that bad. We're driving into like nothing could be backwoods country. Uh, I'm certainly excited to do the Asheville show. I'm just bummed that I'm not going to see more of uh, that. I don't have like a day or two to just like chill in Asheville. But um, but yeah, yeah. Asheville will be there, uh, and that's Saturday night. We'll be in Asheville. So. Yeah, tickets still available. I mean, I'm very happy with the with the sales. Uh, you know, I don't think we can visit Asheville every single year. So all the more reason to to come on out. Uh, I think it's going to be a rowdy fun. Saturday night crowd at the Gray Eagle. Um, studio update: we we made big strides yesterday. We're closing in on the final uh, moments. I think that we're we are like what would you say one maybe two visits max away from recording Gatewalkers uh, in terms of our time in the studio. We're we're just about there. Um, we're we're so close. We were in yesterday all day and had the whole cast there, the whole team, and we were testing and shooting uh, all day long and. It looks great, and it sounds great, and it's so close. I'm, I'm so excited. Yesterday was a big day, right? Because like we, it was the first day we were all going to get in there together. Sydney and Kate hadn't even seen the space yet, um, and Matthew and Skid had popped in and out here and there. You've obviously been there a ton, and you and I have been there uh, a few times. I mean, Francis and CJ are in there almost every day now, and then Matt, our cinematographer, like to get everybody who's going to be working on the show. McD came up from Philly in the room together. I was like, that this is an invaluable day, even if we don't get any technical stuff done. But we had that, and we got a ton of technical work done, really starting to look at what the space is going to look like, see if my fucking cockamamie artistic ideas would actually work in uh, – in in execution and uh and and to see what it would be like with a flow like all right let's just pretend that they were recording and then we've got the roaming camera how does it look with the switching to multiple cameras we've got like i think all told there'll be around eight cameras in there um or seven or eight cameras like there's just a lot that's going into this and then like how does the audio sound of course we've got audio problems so after after nine or so hours in there yesterday i feel like you know, we've still got a ways to go. I think you say one or two more visits. I think that's pretty accurate. Those are full day visits. But yesterday just, it felt like it, it felt super real. And also it felt like it's exceeding my expectations on what, uh, you know, what I had in mind and what we had in mind for this, just seeing like the test footage. I was like, holy shit, there is nothing like this out there right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I there's really not much more we can say except uh, just know that we're it's imminent. Um, the beginning of recording in earnest and shooting is is imminent uh, in the next couple weeks. So we're really really looking forward to getting that rolling. Uh, let's do a quick Gen Con update before we get to We Are Stupid. Juicy We Are Stupid this week. Uh, let's do some Gen Con updates. We've got two shows that are happening at Gen Con. We mentioned this last time. At They're the on sale itself, right now. Yeah. yeah, the events at the con. The events are all up at Gen Con. If you want to come by and see us play Blades in the Dark Live, the, the uh, busted mufflers back in action, or if you want to see us play Modern Cthulhu live again, uh, Guess what? You're not the only one. Tickets are flying. <laughs> I was uh, really pleasantly surprised. They're selling faster than our tour sells. <laughs> well, because the uh, tickets are like 14 bucks. Yeah. And uh, they are going fast. So, uh, I mean, uh, Modern Cthulhu is like on a sellout pace in the next week or so. Right. So, Modern Cthulhu is happening at 11 a.m. on Friday, I believe. And it's a 250-seat theater in the convention center. There's only 52 tickets left uh, as of the time of this recording. So, by the time you were listening to this, there'll probably be 40-something left. Uh, so, that show is going to sell out. And as far as I know, that show is not being streamed. So, it will only exist forever 
in that room. Uh, and then Blades in the Dark, the Busted Mufflers is happening Saturday at 5 p.m. Uh, and I believe it's in the Westin. It might even be in the same room that we did last year. I think, I am not sure that that's being streamed. If it isn't, then that's the only place you're going to see it is in that room because we're not bringing our camera crew into the Gen Con shows. It's a, we don't own that. The Gen Con owns that. Um, However, that's a 400-seat theater, and it's already half sold, already 200 tickets sold. We expect that one to sell out as well. Um, so please, gra- don't hesitate. Grab those tickets because they, they will be gone. Certainly, Modern Cthulhu will be gone by the end of the week. I wouldn't be shocked. And then we also mentioned that we're doing two shows outside of the con. Glass Cannon Live, as always. Helium Comedy Club. Cannot wait to get back there. And that is selling like hotcakes. Is VIP sold out? Uh, VIP is not sold out, but I feel like uh, I looked at the tickets. Single digits, eleven VIPs left. So yeah, let's call that single digits. I mean, amazing sales (laughs) right out the gate for both uh, Glass Cannon Live, which is going to be happening Thursday night, which I believe is August third, back at Helium Comedy Club. This is where we perform now several times. Uh, That show will sell out, and then the next night we're doing a new show. Uh, I think that's August fourth, Friday night uh, at the Athenium. It's going to be Call of Cthulhu live. Uh, I mean, that's going to be so exciting. And again, that's a much bigger theater, but the tickets are only $15. You can buy premium seating if you want for, I think, 55 but 15 bucks to get in. That's the show where we want the nation to come out and bring their friends who have no fucking idea who we are or the friends who don't want to spend 40 bucks on a Glass Cannon Live ticket. Um, we really want that to be kind of a slap your nuts on the table. Hey, <laughs> Here we are with a glass cannon. If you don't like this, you're not going to like anything we do. Yeah, I mean, because it's all new. It's all original. It's all um, original in the sense that it's uh, you don't have to have seen anything before. It's a standalone mm-hmm. show at the Athenium in Indy on Friday night, August 4th for 15 bucks. Uh, definitely try to get in on that. It's going to we've never done anything like this. So yeah. uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be amazing. Uh, I, I cannot wait. Too. Big yeah, cast. exactly. Big <laughs> cast. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be wild. It's be stupid. <laughs> and Casey, Chaos seems fired up about it, you know, because I'm trying to decide what I want to do, both because I'm going to be running the Modern Cthulhu game and I'm going to be running the show at the Athenium. So I'm trying to decide what scenarios I want to do because I got to keep it around two hours, which with us is a nightmare. We can't even do character creation in under two and a half. So uh, Chaosium sent me some sort of advanced copies of things that haven't uh, been printed yet. I'm reading and then I'm reading some other stuff that I think probably a lot of people know, but I'm sure we'll give our own twist to. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I have to get through St. Paul and Asheville and Gatewalkers. Then I can start thinking about the 15 shows that I'll be running at Gen Con. <laughs> uh, yes, but we, we wanted to give you guys the heads up on this as soon as possible because we're pleasantly surprised, but um, not surprised. I should say we're pleasantly we're, – we're very happy with how they're we're just selling. Pleasant. We're just pleasant with how they're selling. <laughs> uh, but we want you to know now so you don't miss out if you do want to come to one of these shows because they are selling fast. We haven't really done – we've never done a $15 ticket show, and uh, we've got – you know, a couple of them in indie this time. So definitely uh, check it out and see if you can come and see us live. Um, all right, let's bring it over to We Are Stupid. Episode 76 of Strange Aeons uh, had plenty of fodder to work with because it was, you know, another deep combat as we continued the fight uh, against the the Umbral Dragon. And Professor Eric did a fantastic job, as he always does, of digging into every little thing, including pointing out right out of the gate, I feel like I said this in the episode, and either he's wrong or you're wrong. I'm. I must be right. He says the dragon didn't spend an action to fly. I I, I knew there was a round where I even asked you about it, mm. and you said something, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds right." 
Uh, <laughs> I can't I, remember what I said. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like Professor Eric remembers either. Well, he just pointed it out as if, you know, we should probably know this uh, like easily. And I, I, if I had, if I would have been able to re-listen to the episode, I would have, but I, I wasn't able to this week. But uh, yeah. So, so you, you, you need spend to spend an action, an action to hover. Yeah. 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 You know, we just always have to keep that in mind and always just kind of remember that. Um, we took it for granted, dude, in, in first edition, because flying was kind of like, eh, and I fly 15 feet up, you know, and you had to roll those checks, but we hand-waved a lot of checks. They've simplified flying, I think, in 2E, and so we have to be a little bit more mindful of it. And as I spend more time with the rule book in preparation for Gatewalkers, I'm reading over these checks again. I'm like, oh, fuck. Dude, I, I just, this is stuff that I, I know going into the episode, and then I start doing it, and I just forget that I have to do that. So you can call me out on it. And just like I would allow you to be like, all right, just don't use that action. You're going to use a hover. You know, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing uh, as well. But, uh, you know, also things like flying up and at a 45 degree angle, you move at half speed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I don't think we, we ever a do. lot of attention. Well, to. we don't do a lot of 3D gaming in our on our maps and yeah. it because only because it's an enormous pain in the ass but right. you can't have it both ways you can't like both make it as realistic and uh, you know on the rules as possible and be like you know complain that it's taking too long like it's like you either do it one way or you don't and because we always like to say we like it to feel real we like it to feel yeah. like it's like it's really happening like if i'm 15 feet up in the air that matters well if that's the case then you got to track that and you got to do it by the book you know yeah i wonder why and correct correct me if i'm wrong but i why paizo hasn't like said here's how you deal do with it yeah i feel like we're all just sort of lean on pythagoras but i've never seen them give a solution for it uh, even in the book i think there's like a little box that's like the, now you got to deal with three-dimensional uh stuff good luck <laughs> but like they don't why not just say like if someone's 15 feet up and 10 feet over you you add them together and divide by two or something like that like we, we rely on pythagoras because it's accurate but it's a pain in the ass i wish there was just like a shorthand rule for it and if there is please uh correct me but because i've read the, reason, the book now like i really don't see it the reason is because it, it is so highly specific to every situation that you it's hard to have a general rule besides pythagoras because like think about giant slayer Right. So Metris flying. One of the chief things that would give me that I would eye roll and I would want to flip my table over because I'd be like, <laughs> just continue the episode. Like it was killing me was like Metris flying 45 feet in the air. Metro wants to cast some whatever touch spell on a frost giant. The other thing that we would get into, and this even came up in Tui and Strange Islands, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, in one of the Dreamlands fights was like. Uh, okay, do you have the range with Pythagoras to get there? Oh, you're this far away, you're this high up. Oh, but exactly how tall is the giant? Yeah. And then you're like, because if the giant is 11 feet tall, that means that you get another 10 feet of forgiveness on that Pythagoras. And it's like, yeah, God. that's true. That's true. It, it's, it's annoying real. and it drags the game to a halt. So like, there's no way you can make a rule hard and fast that you could just apply to any of those situations besides the Pythagorean theorem. Subtract the, the height of the creature unless they're tall for their age, in which case you <laughs> exactly. multiply by six. Yeah, it really is. It, it, I don't know. The, solu- the solution is kind of like, can you? Can I hit him? Yeah, but, yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> Flying has always been a part of the game. I think that it's more important to track, uh, to limit flying movement 
by moving by half when you're going up, I think that's a good rule to stick to and to, to matter than it is to like care that much about Pythagoras. Like if they're up 15, 20 feet in the air and they're 30 feet away and they're, they, they're casting a 30 foot spell, I'm just like, fine, just go ahead. Just cast it because I, I'm tired of nitpicking right. that kind of stuff. Uh, it, but it is hard. Like, I understand why, because you also have an enormous advantage being 30 feet in the air. Yeah. You know, it can't hit you the same way, maybe, or it can't even attack you with melee. So, like, you have this huge, huge advantage. You should have to be closer or something. But I don't, it's really about the player keeping themselves honest there to, to just be like, all right, well, I got to fly in a little closer to do this. Uh, how, how close do we need to be that precise? No just kind of move a little closer i don't know uh but that's that's the way that i would run it in that game i'd keep it very loose loosey goosey so another thing that eric brought up is is a reminder just a reminder that when you use the capital e escape action you can use athletics acrobatics or unarmed attack it seemed to eric in the listening of the episode that aldo felt a little like well my athletics is terrible i can't do this uh, but being a high dex character, he probably has a decent acrobatics. Maybe he never put any uh, training into it. So maybe it's not good, but he should sketch just know that he can use acrobatics for that escape just as well as he can use athletics and you can use unarmed attack. Um, he said he also felt like the hazard should probably have things like an AC, HP, and hardness. Most of them do. So that if you want, you could just hack at the belts or, you know, whatever was holding them, and you can try to do it that way. He doesn't yeah. think that that's like a legitimate way strategically to do it, but you do have that option. Yeah, and, you know, I, I feel like I may have alluded to it. I may have said it very, you know, sort of quickly because i don't want to tell you like here are your options i want you to ask me hey can i attack it and be like yeah sure try it uh but yeah i do have an ac it has a fortitude save a reflex save it has a hardness a break threshold hit points and everything awesome um uh he did say professor eric did say that you mentioned acrobatics later on eris's turn as an option to get out so he says sounds like troy's aware of it but it seemed that we all just kept forgetting on aldo's turn to be like hey you know you have other options but yeah and uh, whatever you used it still has the attack trait so that's important yeah, but then once the dragon got in range, it was, you know, Aldo could just throw bombs, so it, it really wasn't hurting him uh, all that bad. But yeah. it is something, you know, that we got to deal with now as we head into St. Paul. <laughs> you know, we got to figure out, like, are these things just going to drop us, you know what I mean? Or do we going to have to help each other get out? Like, what are the oh, next right. steps of this? Just because the dragon's down doesn't mean we're necessarily out of the woods yet. Oh, dude, also, I'm glad you, know, you mentioned that, because, like, I don't remember the episode, so, like, I can't even remember where we're at. I have to listen to the end of it before I, you know start uh, finishing or finish my prep for the show. Do they allow you to listen to podcasts and coach? You know what? I don't know. Probably only like a podcast by Bill Gates. (laughs) Tony Robbins. Uh, (laughs) I created those two, Uh, but I I need to listen to the end because I would have just like automatically started saying stuff to you that you, I guess you shouldn't know yet. So I'm glad you, Professor Eric pointed out uh, something that is just, it's just funny. He says, for Ethel, uh, it would take one action to pick up each weapon and then another action to stand. So basically, a full round just to get up and be armed from being unconscious and dying. You, I believe, in the episode, hand-waved it. And you were like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Matthew said something like, do I need like an action to pick up these weapons? You were like, just just get up. It's fine. Uh, and I thought that that was a fine ruling, but he just pointed it out. Like it would get down to, if you wanted to get into the nitty gritty, an action for each weapon and then an action for standing. So this came up in blood of the wild in, um, cause I have a dual wielding, uh, ranger and Jared made the ruling 
that uh, he's fine with me using one action for draw and one action for sheathing as opposed to one for each weapon. I mean, one for each weapon. It kills your round. It kills your round. Because uh, it's just like draw, draw, move. You can't even attack. You know what I mean? You're just like you're putting yourself in risk and you, you haven't done anything yet. So he was like, it's fine. I, I think if you're trained in dual wielding, that means you can pull out two weapons in an instant. Scoot, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's interesting. Like when you really get into the nitty gritty of the rules, I think that – correct me if I'm wrong, which I've said a few times already this episode. Um, that's like my safety net because I'm not uh, – I feel I'm, – I'm feeling more confident, but I always want – I don't want to speak with – uh, Joe O'Brien confidence and Joe wrong. O'Brien confidence where you don't know uh, what you're talking about. Right. And he's completely wrong. Face plan. But uh, Dude, that's like, how they train you in debate club. Okay. <laughs> they just say whatever you're saying, just say it like it's the f- facts. Let's say you have something in your backpack that you want to use and it's in, in combat. Like the first action is to pull some, is to like open your bag or something. And then the second action is to retrieve it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like if you want to get something out of your bag, it's like two actions, isn't it? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. It's like you have to like get your bag is one action and then like Zip. reach into it is the second <laughs> and then drink the potion. You know, that's why it's better to just be like, I have a potion on my belt. Okay. That's only one action to, uh, well, actually I wonder even if it's on your belt, it's probably one action to retrieve it and a second action to, to drink it. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. I believe the alchemist has an like an ability that makes that one action. But I think that like in general, potions are it's like it's an interact action to to pull it out, and I think it's an interact action to drink a potion, you know, yeah. to draw it and drink it. Um, which you know that's fine by me. I think that that's reasonable. Uh, in, but if you know, that potion in was in your bag, I think it takes three actions to do that. Yeah, get the bag. Retrieve it from the bag, drink it, third act. Well, that's something that we don't do, and it's something that's just wild to me. Like, really, we're going to sit down and be like, okay, where are each of your potions? I'm sorry, you can only keep two on your belt. According to your character art, I don't see any potions on your belt. <laughs> According to your character art, which is canon. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. I mean, all of my – I mean, this is, goes back to Jade Regent, even when I loved – loved tracking like my gear and being really detailed about it and i would like um separate things off into like backpacks and stuff like that i would do sure. that because i just enjoyed it i would never like have that affect me in combat i would still just pull out whatever i needed now that was a rare that was that was rare that you would need something from your backpack in combat but like it's funny i just i'm always like uh, it takes an action to grab it you know it's it's cool to like nail it down that specific yeah um what else? What else? What else? Most walls are not dismissible. So this was a good one because mm. I spent a lot of the episode tortured, tortured over dismissing this wall because I'm reading the rule live while we're on air. And the rule states ext- couldn't be more clear that it'll say if it's dismissible. It must the be pr- an effect you are allowed to dismiss as defined by the spell or item. As defined by the spell or item. It, very clear. However, I was tortured by it because every single spell I looked at did not say dismissible. <laughs> I couldn't find a spell that was dismissible, which was very different from 1E, which like most spells were dismissible, I felt like. You know, like some spells weren't, most spells were. And it was there, clear. There was a D in parentheses. Right, exactly. So I was like, am I reading something wrong? Am I looking in the wrong place for where it says dismissible? And uh, it turns out, no, I wasn't. 
really things are just not that dismissible in 2E. Like when you cast it, you better be ready to commit to the duration because it is staying, you know? So it's an important thing to know and something that I didn't realize. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we know it now. Um, uh, Professor Eric mentioned an example. See chromatic wall. Chromatic wall was the example he threw up. It says right at the end, you can dismiss the spell. There you go. So, you know, there's, there's a wall you can dismiss. So we could not dismiss the wall. I'm glad we didn't just hand wave it and say that we could because uh, we totally couldn't. Um, let's see. There's maybe one more I want to get to before we get to my wounded. Uh, really excited John. about John, I am, I am excited about that. Um, um, well, he mentioned that the breath weapon would probably target the hazards. Uh, as well, you know, if you want to get into that kind of bookkeeping. Sure. But just something to keep in mind. He doesn't think it would hurt them enough to really affect the combat, but just something to keep in mind. Um, oh, and this was a good one. Troy should double te- check the attacks and range of the dragon's AOO. Most dragons can only AOO with certain attacks, and that might change how the ranges work. So, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> it's a good um, thing to know. Like the tail had 15 feet of reach. The wing had 10 feet of reach. The claw had no reach. And um, does it say what it can AOO with? Uh, attack of opportunity, jaws only. Ah, there oh, the, you go. The jaws have ten feet of reach, so I think I, I think I did that correctly. Okay, I, I'd, I'd have to go back and listen, but I. But I, you I, couldn't AOO with the tail from fifteen feet, so no. I, that's something I didn't realize about dragons in two E. So that's that's yeah, good so to it's know. Attack of opportunity, reaction, jaws only. But that's just this particular humble dragon. Maybe a red dragon is really good with its tail, and it can AOO. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, the way Eric laid it out is most dragons can only AOO with certain attacks. It seems Good to catch be a theme. By yeah. The uh, professor. It, it really is. Uh, okay. Now let's get into the wounded discussion. This came up in the episode and it got a little heated because I pointed out that, and I had this just in a memory from playing 2E now for a couple of years, that, that magical healing does not remove the wounded condition, that only treat wounds removes the wounded condition. And there was a bit of a flare-up at the table. Matthew didn't like it. Skid didn't like it. You're telling me that if I sit and bandage someone with a mundane bandage, that is more effective uh, than magical healing? Magical healing does not remove the wounded condition? This is stupid. The game is stupid. That was kind of the vibe that that I got. Uh, Well, let's just go into it. We're going to dig into this discussion right now. Quote, right from the book, the wounded condition ends if someone successfully restores hit points to you with treat wounds or if you are restored to full hit points and rest for 10 minutes. Okay, so that's that's the rule from the book. Magical healing does not help that. Magical healing also does not stop bleed into E. We've discussed this mm-hmm. on the FOD. The only way you can get back from bleed is to be healed up to full. Another thing I did not know, battle medicine, which allows you to use treat wounds in an instant in combat, and it does not take the normal 10 minutes, does not clear the wounded condition. The only way you can clear the wounded condition is using the treat wounds, the 10-minute version. Now, why is that? Can I see Matthew and Skid's initial reaction, their point? Absolutely. Of course. It's magic. Including me being uh, on Skid's side almost every time when he argues against things being counterintuitive to common sense, right? Like just because they're a rule of the game, they're counterintuitive to common sense. And I tend to agree with him on most of those uh, examples. And, And this feels like one of them. However, Professor Eric straightened me out. Sometimes you need to go to a 
an academic, you know, <laughs> to really get yourself straightened out. And he pointed out very simply why this is. It, it's very possible that it kind of breaks some immersion for you if that's mm -hmm. the, the way you want to play. But at the end of the day, it is a game and it's still game design. And what you have to look at is what are the designers doing here and what were they thinking? What was the reason to not allow magical healing to remove the wounded condition? And the reason is they wanted to create a strategic um, tactical change in the game that required prioritizing keeping characters conscious rather than allowing them to become unconscious and just bringing them back which is what 1E kind of rewarded in a way because you would just be like well I don't really need to heal you until you are down <laughs> then I can heal you and you're right back as if nothing had happened there were no like downsides to this so why waste my in combat healing if there's a chance they, that they could miss and you could still just be up and it'll be fine, you know? And even if you go down, I'll just bring you up in the next round and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, we just have to avoid you getting massively hit, going below your con, that kind of thing. In that situation, yeah, we might heal you. But when we know it's just going to be just enough to bring you down, we just won't heal you until uh, you're back up. This is a design choice that I really love. I, I think that it's awesome to say you cannot just go down and get up and go down and get up over and over again in combat and have that not impact you in a way that makes you more likely to permanently die. In general, that's what the wounded condition does. And in general, I've, I've appreciated it from the beginning. The, you know, the invent, the, um, the, the, um, creation of the wounded condition from the first time I read it, I liked it because I was like, Oh, this shows you that within a combat, you are, it, it, there's a real penalty for going unconscious and coming back and going unconscious and coming back. But the added layer that Professor Eric kind of explained that I just never kind of connected is that it's kind of the responsibility of a healer or of the character themselves to really fear going unconscious more than you did in 1E and to stay up. It incentivizes healing prior to unconsciousness than 1E did. And that is – it just basically is saying in the instance of combat – if you keep going down, you're going, you're going to be at higher risk of dying. And in order to remove that condition, you just need time and care and we'll clear up those wounds. But in the heat of the combat, you're going to be mo much more likely to, to permanently die. And I love it. I think it's a great design choice. And so that's why I'll kind of stick on the design end of things rather than on the, um, rather than on the common sense or reality or the way I think of magic in, in my interpretation end of things, because it, it makes me think of World of Warcraft, my days of World of Warcraft, like in those combats, which were very similar to these, you know, kind of at a larger scale. It was the healer's responsibility to keep those people up because if they went down at all, it was devastating to everybody. It was a real, real bad situation. And it was so fun to try to keep ahead of the damage that they were receiving from enemies and keep them conscious through that fight. I like that mechanic being in the game of Pathfinder 2E. As I head into uh, uh, Gatewalkers, I think a lot more about this. When I played with Amber Die, they were very, very diligent about healing in combat when it made sense in order to not let people even get the wounded condition because it's so scary and because it's deadly. So, yeah, that's my little treatise on the wounded condition. I love it. I don't mind that magic doesn't heal it. And I love this kind of perspective going forward in that we're not going to just wipe away wounded so easily. We're going to know after digging into this that like once you're wounded, that's not going away at, at minimum until the encounter is over.
Right. And one thing that I'm realizing as I dig more and more into the, into the rules is that the old way that I would try and like discourage, I got to fucking rest before every combat. Uh, you know, you know, discourage that. Like that just doesn't, I can't do that in two E. You know what I mean? Like I still don't think you should be getting an eight, eight hours rest before every encounter. That's a little ridiculous, but you definitely need to get yourselves as full as possible you before you walk wins, into the next yeah. room because you're just it, it, the the game is much more tactical and you're you'll be fucked if you, if somebody is like ah I forgot to heal so now it's on me to I'd be like well all right let's heal after the fact the thing is if I don't do that you may just die and then it's like because you forgot so it, it's going to be a real interesting learning curve for all of us, I think, especially as we get into higher levels of strange aeons and then we start gatewalkers. Like, where do we draw the line? Like, do you have to just be on top of that? Um, and I think I should be part of that. Like, do you guys want to do any more healing? Um, and not just like try and catch you. Well, off Skid is usually pretty good about it. Um, uh, <laughs> Skid's really good about it, actually role-playing his injuries after an encounter. Like, yeah. I, I always think of him, he does a really good job of being like, I'm very badly hurt. Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> right, exactly. He does a really good job of bringing that up. And yeah, it's in a fun and funny way, but it reminds you after these encounters that like, maybe you need to recoup for a little bit. You need to sit down and you need to, you know, work on these wounds. And um, I think we're going to get more and more in the groove of that and have it happen faster. And, um, yeah, and, and have it uh, – I don't want to talk too much about Blood of the Wild for people who haven't listened yet because some of this stuff is kind of spoilery. But, like, we're getting better at that, you know, between combat healing in a way that is efficient and effective and doesn't mean eight hours of rest between every encounter. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, these encounters really are built – for the players to walk in at full hit points. You know what I mean? Like that, that's yeah. kind of what's expected. So uh, because of the design of the game. So you you really do kind of have to figure out ways to make that happen. And, and we just don't have a party well built for that in Strange Aeons, but that's all going to change at Gatewalkers, dude. We are going to be so on it. Yeah, Very I mean, you exciting. guys are, we haven't even started and you're already, I can tell you guys are much more in sync right from out the gate on how to do this. And some interesting ways, I think by the end of book, three of strange aeons how uh, i may be offering some uh some tweaks i'm definitely changing some parts of the adventure to kind of suit what we're doing here so i'm, I'm excited to get to that because we're 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 fast approaching the end yeah of the three it is it is imminent it's imminent um well that's it a huge thank you to professor eric this week that was a chunky episode a lot going on and thank you i mean the detail uh in his breakdown here was really great so thank you so much for that and we're gonna have professor eric in in gatewalkers which i'm really excited for uh and you know oh, yeah. hopefully at lower levels we're a little bit tighter and we see less uh less need of this kind of stuff but um it's been such a great experience so far for these first five months uh you know, coming up on six months here of, of getting these notes and just learning and learning. So big, big thank you again to Professor Eric for all of his help. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's going to wrap it up, buddy. Uh, I'm good. good. Thought. Yeah, yeah. Good thought. Good thought. I, I was going to say tight thought, but it's actually kind of long, but that's because we were just having too much fun. Um, always a good time uh, hanging out with you, buddy, and uh, looking forward to hopping on a flight to St. Paul. So uh, look, looking forward to see the St. Paul Nash very soon. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a fun. It's all, show week is always fun. I uh, I hate leaving my family and my kids, but uh, 
I am excited to get on the road and get in front of the nation. Get in front of the nation. We're coming back, St. Paul. Get ready, everybody. Uh, all right, we're going to have a great time in St. Paul and Asheville. We'll see all of you soon, and we'll be back with more fodder next week. Later, everybody. Skidamarinky do. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.